0: Welcome to another episode of the Rebecca Mendations podcast where we talk everything business, love and science. Today I am honoured to be joined by one of the most incredible humans I know, Jess Wilson, who is the current co-founder of Women Making Waves. It is some kind of insane, exceptional, humongous story that I'm obsessed with and you have been blowing me away over the last sort of year that I've been following your journey. Jess, thank you so much for joining me today. And how are you? Well, thank you so much
1: for having me. I'm honored to be here. And I low-key love the title of the podcast, Rebecca Mendations. I saw that on the invite, and I'm like, that is genius. So I <laughs> love it. And so excited to be here. And I'm great. I'm just really running with the full throttle (laughs) energy and pace we have between the start of 2023. So yeah, I'm great. How
0: are you? It's it's seriously huge. Like I have been following this story and this journey from the moment you started to talk about it. And it's so powerful in terms of like the the foundation of why it exists. And this is this is where I want to start. I mean for anyone that hasn't heard of you or your businesses because you've got multiple um, let's let's give a little bit of background, because it's there's there's so much um, inspiration to, to bring from this story. Totally.
1: Um, so I've had everything but a conventional career path. <laughs> I grew up in a very small farm town, started my first business when I was 16, which was running events in different paddocks and scaled that to do 16th, 18th, 21sts, and realised that I had a bit of a knack for entrepreneurship and business. I then went and studied uh, business and events management and I had a careers advisor tell me that I didn't have it in me to have a career in the fashion industry in which I went back to her and told her to simply just watch me as I go and figure it out on my own And I did and I went and I uh, worked throughout Australia, New York and Paris Fashion Weeks from the age of I think I was 19 and learned a lot around how the industry was structured and was this audacious, ambitious 21-year-old who wanted to merge tech with fashion. And I did that via Stashed, which was my first tech business, um, being an online shopping app. And we scaled that into 130 countries. I was on a a TV show in China called The Next Unicorn, which was a cross between Shark Tank and The Apprentice. And since then, it's been, and I'll kind of delve into the reason behind Women Making Waves, but off the back of that TV show, we had so much attention on us unlike anything that we had experienced before. We were in every single publication. We were on syndicates all around the world. And... Unfortunately, as I was raising money throughout that, I was, you know, quite severely sexually assaulted by a prospect investor, and it really threw my life into something that I did not expect as a, a, a female founder in her twenties. And I decided, um, and we can by all means delve into whatever you would like from this story, <laughs> but I decided to start a lawsuit against that person, which took eighteen months, and I ultimately won. And on the back of that is what is now inspired Women Making Waves in that I wanted to really take everything that I'd learned from a firsthand experience of navigating a lawsuit and pull it into something which I firmly believe has the ability to make massive amounts of change on a legislative level when it comes to women's rights law reform. So that's where we launched Women Making Waves, which is a NFT business, which essentially funds and scales women's rights law reform and a little bit around how I got here. So it's been anything but overly conventional and that's it from like an aerial level, but yeah, it's just been a bit of a whirlwind.
0: There's so many things in this story that I wanna pull apart. And, you know, every time I've heard you talk about this and every time I've listened to a podcast or an interview where you sort of go into a little bit more detail, Mm -hmm. it's very upsetting for me. And especially as, as a woman, in all elements it's your biggest fear right to have that experience and in one way or another we've all been through something on some level so it's something that I would love to touch on shortly Mm -hmm. Um, but one thing I really can't dismiss which is the beginning of this story where you know you set out to integrate tech with fashion yep. and that's what that was the the beginning catalyst to where you are now as well in the tech world. Why? Why tech? Because when when you were doing that at you know we're not far off in regards to age, it almost wasn't relevant in some capacity. What made you think like yep. to go in that direction?
1: You're so right and it wasn't relevant in any capacity at the time people thought I was insane so just to give some context I was 20 years old 21 years old and I was working throughout Australia New York and Paris Fashion Weeks producing runway shows so I would work a lot on seating plans and seating plans is very like this person sits here your front row is your prime real estate and I noticed this trend over three years and I noticed it over three different countries and that was that online stores were moving forward. We would call them bloggers at the time, which are influencers, We're moving forward. And we're now taking the seats of traditional celebrities. So I noticed that and I'm like, okay, this is something that's not just happening in Paris or New York and Australia. This is a global shift. And I remember speaking to some of my colleagues, keeping in mind everybody I was working with were in their 30s and I was 21. So I had a different lens of the world as well. And I thought... What would happen if we could pull together this user experience on mobile because millennial who are essentially the gen z's of now back then millennials don't want to be going to multiple different websites to shop multiple different brands they want to have access to everything and no one really sits at a desktop either so i thought what would happen if we put it on mobile that also gave it a user experience that was unique to millennials um and that's when i literally booked a one-way ticket to silicon valley did not know a soul Um, No, I knew one person who had a friend in San Francisco who had a spare room so it was kind of like Airbnb before Airbnb was a thing so I stayed in this spare room of a friend in San Francisco and I just googled fashion tech events and I went to every single fashion tech event ended up networking next minute I'm at Google Yahoo all these places and just really was pulse checking ideas with them and you're right in that Stash was one of the very first online shopping mobile apps we had in Australia with a different user experience. And I think the dots that I connected was millennials want to shop multiple brands. There's a shift happening to bring fashion into tech on a global scale because I'm seeing it firsthand with with what I'm doing. Um, and then I just set out to figure out how the hell I was going to do that as someone who did not know how to code. had <laughs> never had a tech business. Um,
0: and yeah. I mean, you had a lot of balls, OK, because... Getting up and going to Silicon Valley with no found like no clue of where to even start. I mean, I understand that mindset. I'm with you. That's so something that I would do similarly. But it's not common, right? You can agree. It's not normal. But I think yeah. the
1: thing that I had on my side for when I got to that part of my story is I'd already started to think like that and start to think outside of the box before I even got to Stashed. Like the way in which I landed these jobs in New York and Paris, I'm from Coffs Harbour. I was one of six people in my year at school. Like it made zero sense on paper for that to even be any sort of possibility. But what I learned very early was (laughs) that you can literally think 20% larger than somebody else and a lot of the time get the outcome you want so I was very audacious in how I landed those jobs as well so I kind of took the same thinking and was like all right let's let's try a different industry now.
0: Do you find that's a common pattern amongst um, fellow entrepreneurs like I find when I talk to a lot of startups that perhaps maybe I am coaching or like, you know, a friend of a friend wants some advice, they're often like, but you know, I'm so scared and I'm like, how do I, it's so much work and I have to do this and I have to do that. I'm like, well, look, here's you, here's the position you're in and here's your goal. And the only thing left in between is time and work, right? And it sort of doesn't really matter what that work is because the time is going to happen anyway and it's up to you to make a conscious choice to use it well or not and that sort of is that entrepreneurial mindset of like you just make shit happen like you just yeah. figure it out and you just go and do the thing and there is that limited space of that fear um and like over analysis of the task in essence like you you know do you find that's quite common for you I and think, yeah I think it's you don't have to do it you get to do it and that's the real yeah
1: cool part is like you want to create this vision for your business or your life like how freaking cool that that's even an option you know what I mean and I think society now we tend to a lot of people kind of tend to sit at this kind of vanilla level whereas if you push yourself past that 10 percent 20 percent more than everybody else and think outside the box and maybe send somebody helium balloons to get their attention or send them you know something to show that you're thinking differently and you, you know who they are and you want to approach them and you've got a business proposition. I think people would be shocked at how much you can get back from that because it's literally just the slightest more effort you need to put in to get huge amounts of return from. It's very true. Mm. Did you do that? Did you send
0: someone (laughs) balloons?
1: Okay. So that's on the fashion. That's what reminded me talking about the fashion week stuff. I, literally um wanted to work for people's revolution in new york because i grew up watching the hills and i was like you know what that's the goal and um emailed them didn't hear anything back and then i found this um service in new york could pa for a day and i organized for helium balloons and cupcakes in the company's colors to be sent to the EA and the CEO of that company and it all it said was I'm from Australia I want to come and intern for you like I'll fly over and I think it was so left of field that they were just like yes okay this is so random that like yes you can come and I didn't I, I worked with them for three years and it was just that slight different I think it cost me 80 bucks like it was this slight different way of thinking which opened up a huge amount of opportunity for me
0: incredible and i think that's such solid and practical advice i'm very much an advocate of lateral thinking in general right we, it, yes. you'll, you, it's a term that's quite commonly used and it's it's just that small ability to have that awareness and ability to reflect outwards and go can i do thing something slightly different mm-hmm that will change an immaculate amount it will increase the impact the result the success by an immaculate amount just by slightly turning my head left and yeah. it's yeah it's I think this is so powerful if anyone can take one piece of advice today this is already like the golden nugget right <laughs> I love well, it. I mean Onto something a little bit more serious, this this was the stepping stone for you. I think in retrospect, it probably felt so big at the time, but then moving into what you're doing now, I can you share a little bit more insight and context of what the business actually is doing, how it operates and, and what you're working on at the moment? Yeah.
1: Um, so Stashed was very much so the stepping t- stone to Women Making Waves, largely because I didn't expect what happened to me to happen whilst I was running stashed right so it was one of those things that when it hits you um metaphorically something happens in your life and you've got a couple of choices around how you react to it I reacted by the lawsuit and navigating that and I think by going through something that was so monumental to me just as a human it was really difficult for me to go back to business as usual I felt like after the lawsuit had ended it was really difficult for me to go back to running a fashion app. It was like literally trying to fit a square pig into a round hole because I feel like I had fundamentally changed. And when I say I fundamentally changed, it was the single most empowering thing I've ever done to move through a lawsuit. Like it was the, if I look back on my life, that is the single most empowering thing that I've ever done. And I wanted to create something from that experience because I knew looking back that I now have this incredible amount of IP around how to navigate a lawsuit, how our laws were structured, um, what were in favour of women and what weren't, because I'd lived it and that was a very unique place to be in. So when it came to forming Women Making Waves, I knew I wanted to do something in tech, I knew I wanted to do something when it comes to women's rights, I had no idea what it was going to be, all I knew was those two things, <laughs> which I've kind of done a couple of times now when I look back at the patterns of, of my career and I... Delved into Web3 and NFTs in lockdown and really was a fan of the business model and also what it was doing with culture. Um, because when you strip NFTs and Web3 back, all it is is communities who are also passionate about this, the same thing binding together around an NFT community. So I thought, what would happen if we could create an NFT business with the premise of funding and scaling women's rights law reform? So I had this top line idea and I was living in an apartment block throughout lockdown and it was when you couldn't see anybody and you could have like a single buddy, if if anything, to speak to anybody. And um, my real estate agent, Jacob, connected me through to my now co-founder, Haley Evans. And we became each other single buddies because we had nobody else in our like two kilometer or five kilometer radius, or whatever it was. And we just literally ate good food, sent each other dog memes, just hung out, did not talk about business for three months. At the end of three months, I was like, what do you even do? <laughs> and she told, she's like, I built and scaled the Tavistock Group tech investment portfolio. It's a 14 wow. company. And I sit on the board of YPO when it comes to their impact initiatives. And I was like, what? And I told her what I did and I told her around what I had as an idea for women making waves. And we just bunkered down and she was like, okay, let's do it together. And I was like, God, yeah. Um, and that's essentially how it started.
0: I mean, that's not even a normal story of meeting someone. No. <laughs> Is that introduced by your real estate agent. I mean, I've never heard of that happening in my life. It is the funniest thing because, like, I was friends with a real estate agent. She was, and you'd run into people in the coffee shop because that's the only place you could
1: go throughout lockdown. And he's like, "You two need to meet because you both, you know, I think you would get along."
0: I mean, wow!
1: Yeah, it's insane. I hope
0: you send him balloons.
1: <laughs> <laughs> send him more than that. He's got he's got multiple free NFTs. Don't you worry. <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. I mean, I love that in itself. And it's it's such a beautiful way to connect. I mean, yeah, your your business partner is phenomenal. And I know she's got her own incredible story and journey. And I can imagine how much learning from each other you've experienced and how much experience sharing and the value in just that relationship, even just from a friendship perspective, you would have grown so much in that, you know, small amount of time together.
1: Yeah. 100%. Hundred percent. Like it's something that because I've never had a business partner before, so <laughs> that was a whole shift in itself. But I think the beautiful thing about Haley and I is we are so committed to the outcome. We've got this massive amount of mutual respect and care for each other as friends, and our skill sets really complement each other really well. So that's something that um, just to happened to also had happened in that she's incredible at operations and finance and scale whereas I'm great at the marketing and branding and strategy. So the two of us really fit together really well. Um, Not to say, you know, as as a business partner, you butt heads and you learn how to fight and you learn how to have disagreements and you learn how to come through all of that. But I think that's the joy of the journey as well, because it shows that we're both passionate about it too.
0: It is quite an interesting conversation, actually. Um, I've had both experiences as well, being um, like an independent founder and then now a business partner um, as well. And it's a very different ballgame. Yeah, because <laughs>
1: you've got to ask somebody now before you do something, right? Yeah, and that was the <laughs> for me, because normally I'm like, all right, let's go. But now it's like, oh, wait, no, it's not just you've got a second half to you now. You can't just go and do that.
0: <laughs> you've got a work wife. You've got <laughs> someone to talk. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty incredible journey in itself. But um, look, back to back to the, the topic of, you know, the lawsuit and how this formed the foundation of, of what you're working on now, what's happening in that world what are you working on from a law reform, reform sorry um you know i know there was some pretty significant news that happened in the last few days and there's a lot going on that most of us probably don't even have capacity to comprehend or understand or have access to like can you talk a little bit about what's happening in that world
1: 100% i might I'll give a little bit of context around how we built that foundation yeah. and then what laws we're tackling cuz so i think it gives some good context cuz To be frank, it hasn't been done before. So if I go straight into that, people are going to be like, what is is she talking about? So what we've built is essentially um, this platform so that people can buy an NFT and 50% of everything that we make through the business is filtered through to an index fund that we have in a joint partnership with a company in the US called The Giving Block. And what that allows us to do is to partner with what we call our law reform partners and impact partners. And these are people like Nina Fennell in Australia, equal rights advocates in the US. And we literally set out and identified and met with all of these experts who accumulatively have changed over 44 plus laws and we have direct partnerships with all of them. So it's not like we go to their website, we make a donation. We have direct partnership scopes of work with each of the impact partners that we work with. So each time somebody buys an NFT kind of B2C wise um, or B2B wise through Swell Club, which is our offering to corporates, 50% of that goes through to our impact fund. So that essentially from a charity's perspective takes away that pain point of because when we were speaking to charities, they spent 80% of their time fundraising. And we thought, and Hayley really honed in on this, she thought, okay, what would happen if we took away that financial burden and let them focus on what they're good at doing, being changing laws? Because changing laws is, like, that is it. Like, when I found out law reform was even possible, that that was a thing, it was the most mind-blowing moment to me and I thought, why on earth aren't we running around, like, everything's on fire trying to fund these people? Like, seriously. Like, the sheer fact that it's possible to change legislation and we have partners who've changed 44 laws is wild. So that's some context around how the business is set up. Um, When it comes to what we're focused on in the US, our kind of company that we work with, Equal Rights Advocates, They've recently introduced a law into California, which allows entrepreneurs to sue their investors if they're sexually assaulted. Because previous to that, that wasn't necessarily, it was possible, but it's really difficult to do. So a large part of the funding will go towards them to scale that out into other states, which obviously is very meaningful to me and and I'm sure millions of other people in the US. And then an incredible achievement that Nina announced yesterday is they've been able to unlock a substantial amount of funding from the New South Wales government, essentially so that the number of trauma-informed courts for minors can move from 2 to 200 in New South Wales. Wow. Which minors going through this process are now going to come across people who are more trauma-informed, and that's to the tune of $64.3 million that they've been granted to be able to do this. So okay. it's something that is just mind-blowing. The sheer fact that this is, yeah, I just find it incredibly...
0: Exciting and you know impactful. I mean, sorry, I'm still processing. I'm still (laughs) taking it all in because, like I said, I've I've heard your story before and I've heard you talk about things before, but it still is. It feels. I really can. I I, energetically, I'm just with you. Like I can really imagine the hunger and the drive and the passion to make these changes because when you've been impacted on such a personal level, like there's something in you burning right it's it's very um i think you should be granted so much grace in how you've also been dealing with the situation because you've taken something that could fundamentally make somebody go crazy and fueled by anger and depression. And I'm sure there were so many elements that you've been through in that spectrum, but you've actually managed to take that energy and turn it into something that's going to change the world. And that's humongous. Thank you. I just got chills as you said that because I think and you're right there were some
1: really difficult moments there where you're just like oh my god this is really really just a hard thing to navigate but i think spending all of that time and doing a lot of internal work and self-reflection and moving through all of those feelings to now be able to you know lead this business through funding people to change legislations it's this real shift in energy that is it's it's really difficult to even explain like i've never felt this much drive before In my entire life like i've never felt so pulled towards something it doesn't feel like a push it feels very like i get to do this this is the most you know empowering and fulfilling and meaningful thing that i get to do and we get to work with some incredible humans who who literally know how to in my mind change the world by changing our laws because that's what a lot of people are suppressed by so it's something that um yeah there was a whole bloody personal journey to get to to this point it was something that I was really firm on as well I wanted to when I shared this make sure that I was coming from a place where this thing felt like a scar and didn't feel like an open wound so that I could speak on it from a point of you know um empowerment as well
0: yeah and strength it's it's a lot it's a lot to stand for and I think um you know one of the hardest things especially when you are In business, when you are running your own business and you go through difficult times, you almost don't get capacity to be a victim. Like, you don't get time to even emotionally regulate yourself because you've got so much shit to do. And it's a very difficult journey to walk where you're like, I'm actually going through something. Yeah. acknowledge that I'm going through something without completely dismantling into pieces because I've got a team that I'm responsible for, because I've got a company that I'm building, because I need to show up at the office every day and I can't be, you know, in a state of, you know, a puddle on the floor. And I don't, I would really love a little bit of if you're open to talk about it, insight of what that actually was like for you to navigate because you can imagine on any level of the spectrum, there are people going through things Mm -hmm. that don't actually know how to cope. Yeah, there's two
1: really big examples which stick out to me. One, when um, I was navigating Stashed and I'll share what the actual week was like when we announced all that press because Uh, we were on the front page of The Australian. We had every single syndication happened. But you're right, like I'm a human but I'm also running a company. So it's like this real interesting feeling, right? But I remember when it kind of everything just happened and I was running Stashed and it was a really difficult day and I remember thinking, oh, my God, I've got to go and meet with lawyers in the morning, then I've got to meet with the team, then I'm meeting with these people. And it was a really... It was exactly to your point. It was a real struggle around I need to feel these emotions, but I also need to run a company. And I had a mentor give me some incredible advice. She said, Jess, you were going to get so disciplined with how you spend and how you look after yourself through this time. And it was, I would, and as simple as it sounds, it was eating healthy. It was, you know, a boot camp in the morning and walking at night. It was filling my mind with the right mindset content. It was really making sure that I prioritised myself and my self-care above anything because I think when you're in a turbulent time, it's very easy to make rash decisions. The very thing you don't want to do when you're in a turbulent time is make rash decisions, right? Like that is not what you want to do. You want to keep it as level head as possible. So you need to look after yourself first before anything else. Um, and that's what I did and that that's what really helped me get through that time was just prioritising Myself above anything else to make sure that I could make these logical, level-headed decisions to navigate the business through what I needed to. Um, and then to your point around like being human and running a company. When all of our media came out around this, right? Like it was. I don't know if I really. I mean, I, I think I, I. I knew what I was putting out there, but the feeling of it was completely different because we just to give context to those who may not know. We announced what we were doing. We were making waves. Via the front page of the Australian, the CEO magazine, news.com.au, a video I put out, um, and that got syndicated into 20 plus countries. And I remember the day that the newspaper came out. God, I was fine <laughs> in the morning until I saw myself on the front cover of it. And then it was just like, whoa, because it was that. It was hundreds of messages of people and their stories, people I've met in business, people who I'd grown up with. And it was really at that point, I think, understanding what my nervous system was doing and knowing how to regulate my nervous system. And what I did at that point is I'm lucky that I've got a co-founder in Haley, and I just needed to take, you know, a few hours out just to regulate what my body was doing. Because again, I'm human and for anybody to see something that's happened in their life across every single media outlet that there was on that day was a lot um, but as I kind of the night that night I really came to reflect on that day and I thought there's going to be so much healing for both myself and other people by hearing this story and not just hearing the story but the change that we're then going to go make through and making waves as well so if I'm a channel
0: to be able to share that and share what we're doing next then I'll, I'll do it every day of the week. I think that's a big part of it you know that community experiential sharing element of it's so basic in that feeling of you're not alone like it's yeah. just we, we are human and fundamentally we need community and familiarity to feel belonging yeah. and I think this is just a beautiful example of how you can do that and be such a thought leader in this space by leading by example by producing a community of all humans to be able to share what they've been through and then come together to then actually practically make a change. I think this is always that thing that's missing I find in you know values and businesses and systems. It's like it's really nice to have an idea but what impact are you making on the world around you and like my biggest mission in life is to create a positive impact on the world around me whatever it is I do in whatever company I produce and this is why I connect to you so much because you hold such a you know like-minded sentiment and it's it's very powerful it's very big and i mean what what happens next like what is it that you guys are working on currently what what's like the main goals that you have in place Thanks so much
1: <laughs> so we and thank you and likewise back at you i think that's why we've resonated so much even in lead up to this because you can see yourself in other people and you've just been I've watched everything you've done over the last couple of years that we've you know followed each other and messaged each other every now and then and it's just you can see other entrepreneurs who are impact driven and are doing things for a genuinely great cause and i think also entrepreneurs who aren't afraid to lead from vulnerability aren't afraid to be audacious with their goals aren't afraid to do all of that and that's something that i see in you as well so thank you i think it's like you you know you see each other in each other sometimes um but what we have planned this year is a whole heap so we launched a campaign that went relatively viral on linkedin called i took the pledge which we incentivized vcs like your blackbirds air trees Rampersand to post in support of women's rights law reform so this year, we're really honing in on what we're offering to corporates. So we've incorporated an offering via we're making waves called Swell Club, which is essentially where corporate companies can buy into. We're making waves via Swell Club, and that gives their employees access to a whole heap of perks, such as co-hosted events that we're co-hosting with. I don't know when this podcast comes out, but co-hosting events with like Google, for example, are just huge brands that we have here in Australia where their employees can attend to network, um, access to our digital platform where people can learn more around women's rights, law reform, wellness content via a partnership we have with the Chopra Foundation and Deepak Chopra, which still feels wild to say, and and leadership content as well. So we essentially look at Swell Club and look at NFTs as a smart membership, and now we're packaging that up and selling it to corporates. So that's a huge focus for us this year as well as just expanding out what we work on with our impact partners, so what laws they're going to be going after this year, and just really honing in on what we can do from a tech and impact perspective to get to our our, our end goal, which is funding and scaling women's rights law reform. So we've really just t- taken everything we learned from the first couple of months
0: live and refined it and, and now going ahead with our B2B offering, which is super exciting. It's, it's pretty amazing how quickly you manage to build and how... You managed to launch, and I think something that there's a lot of people out there starting tech businesses in multiple different industries that are genuinely going to change the world. There are so many unbelievable ideas out there, and I know, um, even from a personal experience, what it's like to have this idea and then not be from the tech world and not know tech. Like you, you have this unbelievable experience from Stashed App, where you know you've been doing this for a while now. If you could sort of you know, squeeze in some practical advice for new founders stepping into tech, anyone that's considering developing something, what's the right or best way or best advice you can give in that beginning element of the journey? I have so much to say on this. <laughs> this is because it's it's such
1: an interesting position to be in as a non-technical founder. What I've learned over time is you've got more or less three different options. And I'll just throw in some tactical tips around them as well. So the first is you find yourself a co-founder, so somebody who is able to, say, code um, what it is that you're aiming to build. Something that I've learned is when it comes to co-founders you bring in, it's always a good idea to have uh, the equity vest over time with a cliff period meaning their equity say a standard thing to do with either co-founders or ctos you bring in is to have their equity vest over four years with a one-year cliff which means their equity will accumulate over four years and all will start one year in so pending if that's a cto or a co-founder that's quite industry standard when it comes to giving somebody equity in your business for doing that tech side of it i would also when it comes to bringing on a cto make sure that that person whilst they're really good at the technical side you also need them to be good at managing people because as you grow your cto will need to manage your tech team so those are kind of two things that i would look at from option number one which would be finding a co-founder the second is you so there's that as as one option the second option is to outsource to whether that's sri lanka whether that's india whether that's russia wherever it might be and the difference in kind of pros and cons between the two is your co-founder is sitting there with you, or on the t- same time zone, or you're both have equity in the business, so you're both both invested in it. If you look at uh, offshore development, then it's cheaper a lot of the time. Um, but something I would put in place for that would be a project manager, so somebody who can manage the process for you, because there's still going to be this overlap of what you understand and don't understand. So if you can bring in a, a project manager to sit between you and the developers offshore, that's always going to be really helpful. And the third is to look at working with an agency. So someone who essentially handles the whole thing from start to finish, you've got a, a, a person that you work with, um, you normally pay more of a premium for that rather than if you're outsourcing as well. So. What I've wanted just to recap that is, there's your co-founder option, there's outsourcing options, or there's to to work with a agency, and there's pros and cons to each of those. And I think it's also a certain level of self-awareness around how much you want to be involved with the tech side as well. Like I love product, like I really love understanding how everything works, but some founders don't. Some founders want to just do the marketing and selling. So I'd say those are probably the main three options that I've found.
0: In respect to all of those options and thank you for sharing because it is incredibly practical and I think often that is the argument right what's the right way to do this and of course it's always circumstantial too Mm -hmm. let's reflect on you know like bootstrapped versus raising and seeming as you've just you know, the reason this business exists is because of what you experienced. I mean, has your opinion changed on doing a raise or not? Or how would you sort of, again, practically give a little bit of feedback or advice in, in that space? Mm-hmm. Raising's a really interesting topic when it comes to tech businesses.
1: I've done it differently this time around. Um, we've been self-funded, Women Making Waves. It is a a different point in my career, though, as well, because we're very fortunate in that Haley's also the CEO of Surge, which is a 300 person development company. So we are, it's not a kind of normal starting point with this business. But if I would look back at uh, stashed and also here, pros and cons to both. When it comes to bootstrapping, I think that's always good because you really cut your teeth and you learn what the market wants and you. You need to iterate and and you know find the things that work because you don't have a whole heap of funding. Funding in itself is a whole topic in that I think going into the biggest thing that I've learned is, Your investors are someone or people that you want to be as values aligned with as possible, in that you want to make sure that they see the same vision as you. You want to make sure that if and when things don't go right in business, because that will always happen at some point, you've got people who are going to roll up their sleeves and help you. Um, So you want to make sure that from an investor perspective, you're vetting your investors to make sure that their values aligned. Then the actual process of raising money. I think people, unless you've done it, don't necessarily know in that there's a front end and a back end to raising money. The front end being your pitch deck in which you want to no le- you want it in more or less 10 different slides and your vision, problem, solution, team, what the business is going to be doing, your forecasts and your back end to the business being what you want to put in your data room is your deck, your finances, um, your legals, your marketing plan, competitive analysis and your team in more detail. And the process of that being You meet with an investor, maybe at a VC fund. They like what your idea and what you're doing. You then move forward to meet with um, one of the partners. You go through due diligence. You go through legals and you close a deal. So the actual process of raising capital can be quite time-consuming. The perks is it gives you more runway. You can pay yourself, which is just mind-blowing as a founder sometimes at the start, Um, pay a team, bring on these, you know, scale out your business and scale out what you plan to be doing. Um, But I would make sure as a very real rule of thumb is completely vet your investors from a a values perspective make sure that they're really on board with your vision because you're tied to these people and then if you're bootstrapping it could even be a process of bootstrapping first to then move into raising money like to take the metrics that have worked and then move into raising capital as well so there's a whole heap on (laughs) whether you do or you don't and it really just is something that's down to the founder as well
0: the vetting process though i find is probably the hardest it's it's an a, emotional intelligence game at the end of the day like you're trying you're marrying these people like you said you're you're connected for a long freaking time and i've had some pretty shocking experiences in that due diligence stage of getting yeah. to know these potential buyers and then exiting those deals because of that realization that they're actually shit people yeah. and you know especially when you're very like values driven like i'm very values driven it's really important to me i'm a seeker of truth like i can't handle the bullshit. um so like those cards play very high for me but i mean it's not so easy to see through right it's mm-hmm. it's such a you know people only tell you what they want you to know and that's exactly. that's the reality with everything and I mean, have you had particular experiences? Is there anything that you've learned that is a really, really great way to sort of help sift through that journey? Yeah,
1: what I've learned um, over time is I'll ask to speak to other founders they've invested in and just have a very real conversation with them. Just That's like a, nothing leaves here, cone of silence. I will not repeat a thing, but, you know, and then you ask them whatever questions you need to ask them. I think that's probably the quickest hack that I've found because they're going to be able to tell you what this person's like when the, you know, the shine of the announcement of the fundraiser's over and you're too, in, you know. So yeah. I think that's probably the biggest hack that i found. But I'm the same in that I think over time you really learn that it's such a process to find the right people and it's a very firm standing in your integrity to be able to say no to people as well because you know where you want your business to go. Um, but yeah that's the that's the best hack i found on that one so
0: far (laughs) it's a big topic huh and I mean you know just reflecting back on this small snippet of your story I mean you were so young when you started and you know you obviously had this in you like you you know you shared when you you were still in your hometown and you know in that entrepreneurial mindset which I love like you and I have such funny similar stories I'll tell you later Um, (laughs) but it's it's a lot to grow up like you grow up with this like it's a very different mm-hmm. childhood or youth in in aspect that not people not many people can also understand to grow up with your business like so that's true. all you know like i was also i was 20 when i started soul cups so or 20 just about to be 21 and you know i'm just i'm 29 now and you know that's like 8 years of your life and essentially yeah. that's your adulthood and so similar to you um you become a different person yeah and you watch yourself develop and mm-hmm. everything you've been through i mean you look back now can you sort of pinpoint the fundamental lessons you've learned or you know even from an again an advice giving perspective like anyone that's setting out on this journey or is in the middle of theirs and they're going through a tough time like what are those lessons to look out for or what have you experienced that you can share I love that. And it's so true. I think there aren't very many of us who've started businesses at a young
1: age. And it's this real interesting process of like, you're so young and you're so ambitious and you're going a completely different path to what your friends might be doing with uni or getting a corporate job. Like I've never had a corporate job in my life. Can you imagine? Um, no, I can neither. I've never had a job in my life. <laughs> yeah. But like, we're not, it's not an overly normal path to go down. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And it's really interesting because it's, your and i only realize this uh, kind of to the extent with starting with making waves is a large part of your identity becomes yeah. founder of stash becomes the business and i think what i've learned on kind of retrospect moving into this company is i'm not my business i'm the founder and there's a company and that was a real learning for me that took a bit of shifting and then work on in itself right because i've i've grown up as through for 8 years this is this is you know Jess Wilson, the co-founder and founder of Stash, like it, it was very much so part of who I was um, and am today. Like that's part of integrated now into making waves. And I think a, a key learning is to continue to be ambitious around what you aim to, to do and to to by all means go out and do that, to be incredibly self-aware around what you're good at and what you're not. And if you're hiring, plug the things that you're not good at. As quick as possible. Make sure you have an incredible lawyer, an incredible accountant. <laughs> I adore my accountant and my lawyer; like they're near family to me. Like they're just the Richard. Yeah. I'll give them a shout out because I just adore them. Um, I think that's really important. And then to also just when you have an intuitive feeling around this is what the business needs to do, listen to that because I've had so many times whether it's been advisors or investors or you know people who were more successful in the in the industry were telling the 24, 23, 26-year-old version of me that something wasn't possible or that something would not work. Um, and each time I went against that and listened to myself, it would. And each time I didn't, it wouldn't. So I think really honing in on your gut instinct is a skill and people don't realise that. The more you listen to yourself when it comes to your gut in business, the stronger it comes becomes and the more you can lean on that and then eventually decide not to even question it at all. So I think those are some really key learnings just over the last, you know, <laughs> however long it's been, <laughs> how am I now?
0: Yeah, last eight, eight or so years. I mean, I couldn't agree more. Especially in regards to the intuition. I think, um, you know, if we want to talk about women in business as well, obviously it's a big conversation. Women generally have a stronger intuition and generally are more in tune with it, and we have a knowing like mm-hmm. you. It's it's there and you can't deny it. It is this like superpower of being a woman, and I really feel feel that. And I know that um, one of my biggest lessons coming out of what I've experienced, like COVID, really impacted our business, and it was a huge setback. And very much like you, I experienced that fundamental feeling of I am not my business. I am the founder of this business, which maybe is failing, but I'm not a failure. And it's it's such a big breakthrough to overcome it's it's debilitating to actually have that awareness to then feel those emotions and overcome it um mm-hmm. but it's also that intuition and listening to it respecting it being in your feminine and operating from your feminine rather than your masculine because you're mm-hmm. able to like receive and reconnect with yourself and understand that intuition so much better and you make such better decisions mm-hmm. they're they're backed by your entire being you know um but it's I think that's a big topic in itself and I feel like you and I can talk about that for a long time
1: and I feel like on that right there's certain moments in business where I think it makes a lot of sense to think less and feel more like what is your gut instinct right now like what feels like the next right move like what is your intuition saying right now like that is a real there are moments in in business that that is what I know I prioritise and I'd imagine you would as well and it's like really feeling into what feels like the next right move because you know at the end of the day your body knows your intuition knows you know when it's for me I knew when it was time to do this new business intuitively I was like okay this
0: doesn't make any sense on paper (laughs) but here we go you know because it's just the more you listen to it the more the stronger it gets exactly and I can imagine like you know on that when you were in the midst of the worst time, when you had just gone through what you'd gone through in those early years, um, you would have been really operating in your masculine in the sense of, you know, trying to stay strong, really almost probably having to disconnect from your emotions because you had to, like, keep your shit together, right? Mm-hmm. And then now, you know, you have this softness about you, you have this strength to you, you have this self-empowered confidence that's like radiating you've got this like beautiful glow and like sun shining energy because you're like in your element you're living your purpose you're making shit happen Mm -hmm. i mean i can only imagine how you're feeling right now and you know it's emanating through the work you're doing as well so it's 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 incredible to watch
1: oh thank you i need to
0: bring you around with me
1: (laughs) just no but it's you're right in that when everything happened it was a very almost survival mode and it was in your masculine it was like one foot in front of the other but I think the beauty of doing a lot of internal work and self-reflection and understanding what my nervous system was doing and building myself back up and seeking justice and turning this pain into something that's been so purposeful is you really come back to yourself and who you are and it just is this really grounded centered feeling of I've worked through a lot and through that I've built so much self-trust within myself and now I know whatever happens, I'll be able to move through it and I can back myself and I don't have to be this kind of wall of, you know, just keeping everything in or keeping everything, you know, appearing a certain way. I can just simply be myself and do what I love to do. So it's this really just, you know, beautiful outcome of something that was really tough at the time.
0: And I think on that, you know, it's so upsetting and devastating that you had to go through the shit to get to this realization but the truth is you don't have to people don't have to go through something terrible to connect to themselves to have a regulated emotional state to have that resilience to have that self-awareness that's just work that's self-development that's taking the time to acknowledge that you have those powers to do so and I think again like it's that one message that if someone's listening to this that's so inspired by your story but they haven't experienced anything you know on any spectrum and you know we hope that's the case you can still work on yourself there's always an opportunity for personal development and I think that's that like neuroplasticity that rewiring that like you know real wholesome connection to the body and mind I love this it's and it's so true because everybody has their stuff like everybody's got
1: something that you know they could be working on within themselves and I think for me and I know a lot of people like I want to live the biggest truest most, most fulfilling version of myself and to be able to do that it requires working through a lot internally and I think if anything coming out the other side of something which was the toughest thing that I'd ever been through it's so worth it because you get so more in in tuned with who you are so much more in tuned with what's possible like you feel a lot better like it's a real just interesting process and I think it applies to to your point everybody everybody can do that type of work and it's it's a very fulfilling thing to do
0: I think everything you're doing is deeply fulfilling at the moment it's it's unreal and I'm I'm so excited to sort of follow along this next stage. I think it's going to be bigger. You know, every time I, I look at you, every time I sort of check in, I know it's getting bigger and bigger. And, I mean, if we can sort of tie this whole beautiful episode together and there was one message that you could really get across, um, what, what would you leave us with? Oh, gosh, that's such a big question. <laughs> Something to inspire somebody's day as they finish listening to this. I would just say, trust yourself. You know what your next move is. It's just having the courage to act on
1: it. That's the hardest part. That's great.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jess, I feel like I could talk to you for another seven hours. I have so many other questions and, and topics to bring up, but I'm so grateful for your time. And what a beautiful story. And um, let's make sure everybody has access to follow the socials and the page to get involved to see how they can support as well. Amazing.
1: And thank you so much for having me. I knew that we would have a conversation like this, but I just I've so enjoyed this. I think it's just, yeah, it, it, this is, I, I love this type of conversation and thank you because I think it's refreshing to have conversations like this and, you know, share insights like this and share how people like us both think and feel around what we're navigating. So thank you. Um, you can find us being Women Making Waves at, at womenmakingwaves.nft on Instagram and we are womenmakingwaves.nft IO when it comes to our website.
0: Ah, Amazing. So thank you so much, Jess. Amazing. Thanks for having me.